are not idiots. We want to go home. Yes, home. I want to sit in a pub and drink a pint of beer again. I, I want to walk in a park and watch a cricket match. Above all, I want to belong somewhere, do something, instead of this aimless drifting around in space. Aimless? I tried for two years to get you both home. Well, you haven't been very successful, have you? How dare you, young man? How dare you, sir? Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Caleb. And I'm Mac. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And this week, we'll be watching... What's it called, Mac? The Chase. The Chase. (laughs) The Chase was written by Terry Nation, directed by Richard Martin, produced as ever by Verity Lambert, and aired May 22nd, 1965 to June 26th, 1965. Fun fact about this episode, it is the only episode in Classic Who to have the Daleks as the main bad guys and to not include the word Dalek in the title. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, because uh, BBC knew that there was always a spike in viewerships every time people were like, oh, the Daleks are going to be on? Okay, well, I want to watch this one. So they always made sure to include the Daleks in the title so that people knew when to tune in. (laughs) (laughs) Everything else doesn't matter. Not even canon. I'm assuming that they came to this conclusion after the chase. I mean, like, why did this one not get as many viewers? Huh, interesting. But another fun fact, I think we're going to be in good hands, Caleb. Because this episode was written by Terry Nation, and if you recall, he is the one who wrote The Daleks, The Keys of Marinus, and The Dalek Invasion of Earth. Two of those episodes are two of my favorite episodes we've watched so far. Oh yeah, I think I think we'll be able to, I think we'll be able to have a good time with this. Yeah. So, Caleb, given everything that you know about Doctor Who, and given the title The Chase, and given the ending to the last episode... What do you think this episode's going to be about? Um, it's going to be a high-speed chase through space and time. I'm going to add the caveat that's also going to be what the movie Speed is based on. And the dogs <laughs> are going to put a bomb on the TARDIS where it can't go under 50 times a second or it will blow up. <laughs> this is also uh, starring Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because time travel. They can because do that. Travel. Keanu Reeves has been alive since the uh, the 18th century, so, like, makes sense. Yeah. Everyone no, knows Keanu up. Reeves is a vampire. That's why he's so charming. Then, on that note, we will see you all in the future. Let's get going. <laughs> And we're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was eight days for us. Would have been uh, exactly one week, but someone was busy. I have shit to do. And I'm just saying it would have been way better if we recorded this yesterday, Caleb, because an episode where a companion leaves went up yesterday 
and a companion that also <laughs> leaves. We would have been recording yesterday. It would have lined up perfectly, but no. You know, Mac, you know, we could have done this whole interesting thing called lying. <laughs> we could have just said we recorded this yesterday. You would lie to our beautiful and intelligent listeners? Absolutely. Every day of the week. Everything I say is a lie. So just for the record, that means so that means uh, The Crusade is your favorite episode so far, and you could not stand Dalek Invasion of Earth. 100%. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> and the best part is, you'll never know if it's true, because I'm always lying. Luckily, I stopped giving a shit about anything you had to say years ago, so doesn't really make that big of an impact on my life. This podcast is literally just Mac ranting about Doctor Who, and you can kind of hear me mumbling in the background. <laughs> let me just do a couple of quick trivia things this is the debut of the daleks using time travel may or may not be the last time we'll see uh this is the first story where the daleks are already aware of the doctor's identity they identify him as the enemy of the daleks this episode was also the departure of william russell as ian chesterton and the departure of Jacqueline Hill as Barbara Wright. Out of nowhere. Now, the ending it makes it a little bit ambiguous, but I guess it's kind of a I don't I don't know if I want to spoil it for next episode or not. But uh this was also the debut of uh Peter Purvis as Steven Taylor. And maybe he'll become relevant later. He may or may not become relevant later. I have a feeling he's a stowaway. I mean, you don't know that. Yeah, he's a stowaway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, I wanted this game to have ourselves, but I wondered, I was like, hmm, they should have putting a lot of effort into making sure we know that this guy survived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's also the very first actor on the show to play a bit part in the show and then later play a main part. He is, however, the only one to do it in the exact same story. But we'll get to that later. <laughs> but Caleb, just in general, what'd you think of the chase? I liked it. It was good. There were things I didn't like about it. Um, at least one episode I pretty much could have done without entirely. Uh, I think you can guess which one that is. Possibly. Probably. But uh, overall, I liked it. Uh, I think... Hmm. Actually, you know what? There, there actually is one moment, at least one moment in this arc, that pretty squarely puts it in my top three. Mm. I might like it more than I like Keys of Marinus. You know what? I'm gonna say that I do like it more than I like Keys of Marinus. Besides one episode. Okay. Um. Yeah, I put it. I'm. It's also in my top three. It is, in fact, my number three. Yeah, because this is one of those episodes where I. I got to the end of my notes where I put my final thoughts, and I didn't really have any major complaints. Usually I have at least one thing that I have a complaint about, but there wasn't really any major complaints for this one, which, you know, puts it at an A tier at minimum for me. <laughs> so Yeah, I, I would say my complaints about this story in general are complaints I have about the show at large. So gotcha. it's hard yeah, to fault. Yeah, yeah this arc specifically for it so i just i just re-listened i didn't re-listen to it i listened to it while i was editing it and then i listened to the podcast just to make sure that everything worked smoothly um again i listened to it again to make sure everything worked smoothly 
but you kind of had a similar thing to say about Stalic Invasion of Earth, where you were like, I don't really have, the only complaints I have about this show are just complaints that I have about the television era that it finds itself in. Yeah. So yeah, so that pretty squarely puts it in my top three then, at least. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to talk about it, so uh, let's just go go ahead and dive right in, shall we? Yeah, let's dive right in. Oh, you'll also be able to tell which episode I didn't like, because we get really snarky in the description. <laughs> Good. Um, and then the descriptions from there, they just got snarky, period. <laughs> so this is The Chase, episode one, The Executioners. The travelers get the weird time-space visualizer working and spend some time watching Lincoln and Shakespeare. They arrive at a strange desert planet, and Ian and Vicky head out exploring. Shortly after they leave, Barbara and the Doctor use the visual visualizer to watch a Dalek assassin team use their time machine, time machine to pursue the followers. In a panic, they leave the TARDIS to go search for Vicky and Ian. Vicky and Ian are following a strange trail of blood and find a strange metal ring in the ground. I said strange twice in that sentence. That drives me crazy. They pull on it and uncover a trap door hidden beneath the sand. Naturally, the door shuts behind them when the two crawl inside, trapping them inside with a strange monster. Barbara and the doctor get caught in a sandstorm and collapse. The next morning, they pull themselves out from the sand, only to see a Dalek rising from the sand as well. This is my second least favorite episode of this arc. The scene at the very beginning where the doctor is working on the time-space visualizer that he got from the Space Museum, as you'll recall. And Vicky's just kind of like standing around and just like whistling. And the doctor's like, oh my god, would you please stop making that noise? And she's like trying to ask, trying to help but he's like, go away, go away, go away. It just reminded me of, like, uh, a kid wanting to help their dad working on the car. I just had that, <laughs> yeah. that scene just had that vibe. Especially because, like, Vicky's just kind of, like, that's Vicky's whole arc for the first, like, three minutes. Is her just, like, staying around, like, wanting to be helpful and everyone getting really annoyed with her. Yeah, because Ian's, Ian's reading a book and he's annoying, uh, and she's annoying him by, like, reading over his shoulder. And she says that she feels redundant around here, that she's a completely useless person. And I'm like, Vicky, you have not been paying attention to the past couple of stories. You have been the single most useful member of this entire team. <laughs> and she still is. Um, yeah, no, I totally agree. When I heard her say I was like, I feel redundant. I was like, what? And you think Barb and Ian are useful? <laughs> right? Ian's just sitting there reading. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I had the exact same thought. Um, I like I like the opening, especially because like the doctor has like he's like holding something in his mouth, so he's not even like really saying anything to Vicky. He's just like aggressively grunting at her or like saying something through his teeth. He's like, mm. I've seen a lot of costuming people talk like that when they have like like needles like in their yeah. mouth so they can hold it because they don't have a third arm, that kind of thing. I have no idea what he has in his mouth, but I've <laughs> I've been yelled at by enough costuming people to know what that looks like. <laughs> he has space visualizer stuff in his mouth. And then he gets it working. And then probably probably the reason this is my second least favorite episode happens. Yeah, but before that happens, the doctor is like trying to explain how, what the machine does and ian and barbara are just like what oh, but vicky yeah. is just like no yeah it's this and like this and like vicky proving herself false that like she's like i'm redundant around here i'm a useless person also i'm the only one who's smart enough to know what the doctor is talking about <laughs> well i i that seems to out to me too because like ian had Ian even says something, like, after the Doctor explains the space-time visualizer, like, how it works. <laughs> Ian says to me, he's like, 
Doctor, you can't just say sci-fi gobbledygook and expect us to understand what you're talking about. But... Ian, you're a science teacher. Please remember you're a science teacher until the very... No, he forgot he's a science teacher, as we will find out at the very end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> the very end of this oh, story. Oh my god. <laughs> Let's just skip to episode six right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. We gotta, we gotta tease it out. We gotta get to it. But anyways, they, they get it working, and then Abraham Lincoln comes on screen, and I'm like, yeah, okay, they're showing off that it works. And then we watch at least half of the Gettysburg Address. Yeah, no, <laughs> my like, next note... My next okay. note is, we get it. It's the Gettysburg Address. Move along, please. <laughs> and then we get into some weird court drama with Shakespeare. I'm like, all right, I guess this is where this episode is going. We're just going to watch random moments of history. I feel like I feel like it's all the writers had different ideas for plot points. And then like they filmed some of it. And they're like, no, this isn't working. And they just had to put it in somewhere. That's what it felt like, yeah. You remember that Futurama episode where they had the, the what-if machine? And the, and the professor has the fing longer where they all ask a different question and it shows them an alternate universe. I kind of would have been totally cool if this entire story was just them using the time-space visualizer to just be like, ooh, 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 see this part. Let's watch this part. <laughs> you know what? I would have been okay with that too. Grand, like, the, this arc has, like, hands down my favorite moment. <laughs> this arc, not this episode. Has hands down my favorite moment, so I'm glad I have that. But I agree. Broadly speaking, I would love an arc of just them doing a what-if machine. And that's not the only Futurama reference we're going to have in this episode. I have at least two more planned. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> and then they land on on the uh, the desert planet. And Vicky is, like, excitedly going over the dunes. And excitedly going over the dunes. And excitedly going over the dunes. And Ian's running after her. And Ian's running after her. And mm-hmm. Ian's running... They hold on this shot of Vicky climbing the dune and Ian going after her just, like, way too long. It's like, we we can, we can, we can come to our own conclusion that maybe they went over the hill, guys. We do not have to watch <laughs> them go over this entire sand dune. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, um, my description is, like, kind of sparse, especially, like, when I look at, like, everything else that happened in the other episodes, but, like, not a whole lot happens this episode. They watch some gobbledygook, uh, they walk around in the desert for a long time, and then the Daleks show up, and that's basically the end of the episode. It's focus- it focuses on Ian and Vicky for a while, and then I'm- my next note is, meanwhile, at the sunbathing team, because the Doctor <laughs> and Barbara are just, like, laying down on the ground outside, just catching some rays. <laughs> Yeah, for for a second I thought they were like sick or something, or like it was like too hot. But then she was like, "Oh, I've had enough sun." I was like, "You lazy bitches!" <laughs> <laughs> and the doctor even makes the point of like, usually he's the first one to go over the go over the sand dune. But uh, Vicky has enough uh, enthusiasm for the both of them, so I'm just like, why? The doctor feels weirdly okay with sunbathing <laughs> because he's usually the first one to be like, "Ooh, I wonder what's over there." So it just felt a little out of character just a little bit. Caleb, maybe you can help me out with this, but this is something that is probably going to continue to bug me for like the rest of the entire series because it bugs me to this day. The Daleks say that the enemy time machine is uh, currently in the desert of whatever the fuck. I don't remember what the, I don't remember what the planet is called. I don't remember either. The TARDIS goes a lot of places throughout time and space. Wouldn't they theoretically how do how do they know where it currently 
is. Wouldn't they theoretically be able to attack it at any point in its timeline? This comes into some time travel bullshit that I can't quite wrap my head around. But they're like, it is currently on the space, on the thing. I'm like, okay, but what if we run into it a couple, like a couple decades later of, in terms of like real world, like an episode from the 70s. And like that assassin, those assassin Daleks just show up because that's where they decided to land. I hope that's an episode. I hope. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, spoiler alert this entire assassin's team dies, but, (laughs) (laughs) but like, it just bugs me that it's like, what do you mean it's currently at this? Isn't it like in several different places throughout time and space, pretty much all at once? I don't understand. Yeah. I feel like we're getting into like some time travel bullshit as I would interpret it is like, you know, the TARDIS is like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. As soon as I tried to explain it, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. I, I don't get it. I My my best explanation I can give you is just don't think about it. Yeah, don't think about it. Just accept the Daleks know where it is <laughs> and it's nowhere else. It is there. And that's it. The doctor goes to so many places throughout time and space over the course of his life. It just feels like you could just sit in one spot and just wait. And eventually the, the doctor will show up. <laughs> a lot of weirdly long shots in this episode first it was the gettysburg address then it was vicky and ian going over the sand dune and then the daleks <clears throat> load up into their time machine and you and watch like, every single one of them <laughs> get inside every single one of them it takes so fucking <laughs> long and i'm assuming that like the way they do it is because they're using the same type of technology that the tardis is where like it's bigger on the inside So what I'm assuming is happening is like the Daleks go through the door and then like on set, they go, they wrap around so that they can get to the back of the line again. So it just (laughs) looks like way more Daleks are going into the time machine than actually There's only like three of them. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) That's what I'm assuming is happening just from a technical perspective. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, but yeah, I was like, this is the long shot. This is a really long shot of, like, me understanding that Daleks are getting in the machine. Yeah. I realized that Ian is not wearing a three-piece suit in this episode. Well done. Well done, Ian. Yeah, good job, yeah. Ian. Good job. And then they find this this ring in the ground, and they, like, pull on it, and it, like, comes out. And then they're like, oh, well, let's go back to the TARDIS. No, and no, no, then no, a no, tra- Mac, Mac you're, no? you're missing something. Oh, sorry. What they, Ian goes to pull on the ring, and Vicky's like, wait. Let me tell you this story about this other ring in the desert that we got told <laughs> when we were kids. All right, anyway, you pull that ring now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally forgot about that. Like, Ian's about to pull on this ring, and then Vicky tells them about the story. Tells them the story like of when she was a kid. Yeah, she was a kid, and, like, there was a ring in the ground that led to like a drawbridge of a castle or something and like they were scared of it or something i don't i didn't really fully understand what it what she would the fuck she was talking about and why she was talking about it <laughs> but i i had to make sure you knew that whoa 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 there was a big long story before they pulled the ring and i thought it was gonna be like hey the moral of the story was don't pull random rings in the desert but then she was like okay well that was it go ahead <laughs> But uh, but that does uh, that does open a trap door. Yeah, it opens up a trap door, and why? 
Why? Why are we going into the mysterious trap door in the hole in the ground on the planet we don't know anything about while we are currently a long way away from the TARDIS? Why does this seem like a good idea to anyone? Can we please not go down into the hole, please? Well, Mac, remember, they're adventurers now. Reasonable decisions are for the weak. <laughs> Guess. But yeah, but uh, I thought the same thing. As soon as it opened, I was like, that's a trap. Don't do that. <laughs> I know it's a limitation of special effects or whatever. But like when they go down, Ian like calls out like, hello. And then there's an echo, except that the echo is clearly like a pre-recorded thing that William Russell did. And they just played it because the echo he hears back is different. Yeah, not even the same pitch. <laughs> like it is completely different. It's like, hello hello <laughs> and i'm like if i hear an echo that is different from how i initially call it i'm piecing the fuck out i'm going back <laughs> up that hole <laughs> i don't care and then they and then they encounter the monster and man i don't know what it was but like it like closed up the latch in the hole but like it was kept in shadow so you couldn't really see it and i don't know what it was but that monster was terrifying <laughs> no i agree because like you can kind of see its eyes you saw like its huge mouth and you just saw its tentacles just swinging it's, everywhere yeah, it was <laughs> just like in the corner just, like, i was like yeah yeah take it off the terrifying. screen <laughs> i agree utterly terrifying if i was if i was a kid in 1965 watching that i would i would absolutely have been terrified uh and i think that's the end of the episode yeah other than like you know they get caught in the sand uh barb and the doctor get caught in the sandstorm and uh they uh see the dog rise up there's one like technical thing i thought was really cool hmm. during vicky's dumbass story you do see it shift from like sunset to night hmm. uh mm -hmm. you know like the sun's going over the horizon I thought that was kind of cool, but otherwise, I, I could have lived without that moment. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And yeah, and I, I totally forgot about that part at the end. You see the Dalek slowly rising out of the sand, and <laughs> I'm just picturing the Daleks going through the desert and then being buried in the sand. <laughs> and, and just, I know it makes absolutely no sense from a biological perspective, but I really wanted the Daleks to just go. <laughs> Oh, oh, it's in my mouth <laughs> it is in the dalek's mouth <laughs> okay uh i think they start doing it this episode so their catchphrase is exterminate right yes uh but then they kind of go back and forth between like exterminate and annihilate yeah and in my head canon there's just one dalek who's trying to start a new trend <laughs> We will annihilate them. Yes, exterminate. Annihilate. <laughs> I promise it will totally be cool. It will catch on. I am a trendsetter. I remember when people started saying chill in high school instead of cool. I don't remember that at all, no. Exactly. <laughs> That's annihilate to the Daleks. It's like, annihilate. Stop trying to make annihilate a thing, Steve. It will never be a thing. <laughs> But that was my note. That's my no that's really my note on the Daleks at all in this episode. <laughs> in this arc. Uh episode two, I guess. The death of time. Spoiler alert, time doesn't get killed. I don't know why it's titled this. Barb and the Doctor run away from the Daleks before they are spotted, only to run into some weird lizard fish people things. The Daleks shoot one of them that go out into the open. 
Below ground, Vicky and Ian are chased by the creatures from the last episode. The aliens Barb and the Doctor meet are the Iridians, and they are at war with the Meyer Beasts, the subterranean monsters that are pursuing Ian and Vicky. Barb and the Doctor go to rescue them, but the Iridians are already planning to blow the shit out of them. The bombs happen to save Vicky, but knock Ian out. Barb and the Doctor are held in one of the Iridian cities, but are betrayed when the Daleks offer to spare them by offering them Bar Barb and the Doctor. Vicky dodges creatures and Daleks alike and finds the Doctor, just as the Iridians prepare to betray them. Then, one of the Meyer Bees busts through the wall and kills one of them. Everyone escapes and they rescue Ian. The two men bait the Dalek into a hole and use the TARDIS to escape. I want to know who the hell was the composer for this episode. <laughs> because at the very beginning, the Dalek is like rising from the sand, and I swear to God, it's the theme from Austin Powers. <laughs> <laughs> Again, one of the complaints we could have about the show, but I noticed that several times watching. I usually don't really like pay that much attention to it, but I noticed several times where I was like, the music is not right. The music is flat out wrong for what is happening. It absolutely is because like the Dalek is just rising out of the sand and just in the background, you're just like, bam, 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 I could just start quoting Austin Powers with the Dalek voice, but we'd be here all day. <laughs> <laughs> so Vicky screams at the monster, and it doesn't cause my ears to curl in on themselves, and I just want to remind everyone that I don't miss Susan. <laughs> Not even a little. It's like, see, that was a reasonable scream. That was a reasonable yell at a reasonable volume. Thank you, Vicky. Now run. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, there's a there's two lines um that made me laugh because she's just like frozen with terror at the monsters at the monster and ian is says don't just stand there screaming you fool run and then they start running down the corridor and then like ian gets stopped because there's another one at the end of the hallway and she's just like don't just stand there gaping you nit run <laughs> <laughs> and then they go down another hallway vicky is a boss bitch the whole time right <laughs> I'm surprised that the Daleks are able to move, move so smoothly on the sand. That's it. That's my note. <laughs> <laughs> How did their tiny little wheels get through the sand so well? I don't know. Spoiler, there's a person walking inside it. I mean, there is, but... But I want to know how the Daleks, not the guy who's piloting the Daleks, I mean, in the <laughs> world of Doctor Who, how the hell are the Daleks moving across the sand so well? <laughs> the fish people are reasonable. Sure. Uh, my reasoning being, um, when <laughs> they going to elaborate on that or no, they're just reasonable. <laughs> okay, Everything they do on. makes sense to me. <laughs> they're, uh, well, first off, like when Barb and the doctor want to go get Ian and Vicky and they're kind of like, uh, sorry, not sorry. We're blowing that fucking thing up. Yeah. Uh, like, I agree. You should blow the shit up. That horrifying thing that's underground. <laughs> Absolutely. Get rid of that. And then later in the episode, they're like, yeah, so the Daleks talk to us, and uh, they want us to betray you, and they'll stop killing us. And uh, we're going to do that. Sorry, <laughs> not sorry. I'm like, what a great, reasonable people that I would absolutely get along with. Right? It's like, why would we die for you? I don't even know your name. I know you don't know my name. <laughs> I don't like the Iridian's speech. It's not as bad as the Monoptera, but, like, it was just, it was just slightly annoying. All the, all the alien speech that isn't robots is really annoying. And the dogs are really annoying, too. It's just funny. There's one particular race that we're eventually going to encounter. I cannot fucking 
wait to hear your reaction. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway, um, they're talk. They're giving this whole, like, speech about how it is that their planet died and how they're, they are an aquatic people, but the oceans dried up and then they were attacked by these creatures. And during this entire tragic tale that the Iridians give, the Doctor looks bored as hell and like he'd rather be fucking anywhere else in the world right now <laughs> mood then the daleks are like really concerned about like uncovering the tardis because the tardis has been like buried in sand so they're they like assign a couple of men to dig up the tardis and i'm like why aren't you at more of an advantageous position with it in the sand they can't escape you now as long as it's still buried yeah that's a good point i really have to say it's just a good point <laughs> i i thought maybe they were like well like maybe the target maybe they want to study the tardis and like use its technology but their technology is objectively better it is it's provably better as we'll see at the end of the story it's a weird thing that i noticed because like they blew up the the area that ian and vicky were in so that they could kill the monsters and it was really weird. I kind of liked it. The doctor has more faith that Ian is still alive than Barbara does. Barbara is just like distraught and like convinced that Ian is dead. And the doctor is just like, oh, no, 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 no. I have tried to kill him so many times. There's no way he'll go down. That easy. <laughs> <laughs> you think a mere bomb can stop him and not me? <laughs> a bomb can't ki kill Ian. I know. I've tried. <laughs> Headcanon. The blocking at one point in the episode is just fucking weird. Because, like, Barbara just, like, walked over to a wall specifically so that the monster would be able to burst through and grab her. Mm-hmm. Like, why Why did you do that? <laughs> why did you do that other than the script said so? Yeah. I don't know. The blocking is weird in a lot of episodes. So I'm just kind of like... Then they left the Iridians to die. And I kind of found that hilarious yeah i know like it just busts through the wall and starts chomping on a guy and they're like it, okay bye yeah it busts through the wall it starts eating one of the iridians and it's like implied that other monsters are crawling into this city and are going to slaughter them all and they're like oh cool the perfect distraction let's go <laughs> but see this, these are the ones to show i love like when they're being sensible they're like i don't give a fuck about these lizard fish alien people i'm leaving <laughs> Uh, and then they have their uh, little distraction moment. And I feel like Ian just temporarily forgot that the Daleks have guns. Yeah. Because he's just like, they'll come over here and then we'll, uh, then he'll fall into the hole. It'll be great. But like, he has a gun, Ian. Why would he ever come over here? <laughs> they saw that scene from uh, the web planet with the Monoptera and they're like, oh, we could do that. We're like, hey, if we just like make noises and wave around, the, the Daleks will just fall into our trap. The worst part is, is it worked. Still, still noting the fact that time did not die in this episode. Very disappointing. Time did not die. I don't know why the episode is called that. I, 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 I felt like they were trying really hard with the episode names this time around. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, like, even though I, that, there's one more episode in this season, but this feels like a season finale kind of arc. It does. This is like the big story. After the other yeah. big story at the beginning. Yeah. It does have a season finale feel to it. It's weird that this isn't the season finale, though. Yeah. Um, I'm very curious to see what the other one is. Uh, but anyways, flight through eternity. The travelers believe they have escaped, have escaped, but quickly learn the dogs are, hot in, are in hot pursuit. The doctor realizes that the Daleks machine is sophisticated enough to pursue them through space and time. The doctor drops them on the Empire State Building in New York City. 
they meet some Jethro Beverly Hillbilly looking ass wannabe, and he is about as Alabama as it gets. He thinks that travelers are doing a movie, and they disappear before he can get a picture. The dogs appear as well. Boy howdy is he impressed by that movie magic prop stuff. He goes to get his camera again, and the dogs leave. The travelers then have a rough time with some sailors, who are wisely terrified of the dogs when they arrive. The ship is the Marie Celeste, which is probably some important historical ship or something. I don't know. The companions are back on the TARDIS, and the gap between them and the Daleks is shortening with every step. Stop. Can you tell which episode I really did not like? <laughs> yeah, this episode was fucking weird. For no other reason than at the very beginning, the Doctor is just like, I don't think we shall run into them again. I'm like, Doctor, you literally just saw them discussing plans of chasing you throughout all of time and space. What makes you think you won't run into them again? <laughs> He's just that good, Mac. Now, I I know that there is an... I, I really want to get the DVD that has the chase on it. Because I know that there's a deleted scene in here. I have such vivid memories of seeing them using the time-space visualizer to watch a concert of the Beatles, and then Ian starts doing the whitest dance I can <laughs> I can think of while listening to the Beatles. Okay, I know this is going to be a totally audio-visual, but I'm going to try my best to do it for Caleb, because he's just, like, standing stock still and just, like... Oh, no. <laughs> he's, like, standing stock still with this dumb smile on his face, and he's just like, okay, listeners, I want you to do me a favor. Put your right hand in the air, and then move it backwards, and then move it frontwards as if you're waving to somebody that's on your left. And then just do that over and over again. <laughs> and that's his dance. And in that scene, I, re I distinctly remember Ian and Barbara, like, enjoying the music, and then Vicky saying that she doesn't really care for classical music. <laughs> and I thought that was such a great scene. I was kind of disappointed uh, at not seeing it. And then I realized probably why. I'll bet you anything that it plays enough Beatles music that Britbox couldn't get the rights. So they probably cut the scene. <laughs> yeah, that adds up. That makes sense, actually. The Daleks are hot on their trail, and they land at the top of the Empire State Building. With this Jethro Beverly Hill-looking-ass wannabe. <laughs> I literally, the whole time I was watching, I was like, is this like a reference to the Beverly Hillbillies? That was a popular show at this time, right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I don't really know. What I do know is that there's a, that a lot of British people can only do an American accent if it's super Southern. <laughs> so i'm guessing they were like hey peter you can do you can do an american accent well gosh golly i sure can mister that's perfect that's the most american thing i've ever heard you've got the part are you are you from florida <laughs> nah i'm from missouri close enough i don't know the difference Pro probably <laughs> it's all in the same country right <laughs> uh but no and then i was like okay this is gonna be a bit and then no no, it was like half the episode. <laughs> it was like half the episode where he's just like flabbergasted at all these newfangled movie technologies. Y'all got different years up here too. There was one bit that I really liked because he's just like taking it all in stride, thinking they're doing some sort of mo some of them newfangled movies. And they are just not giving him the time of day at all and just going about their business because they're like, oh, we're in New York City. 
And Vicky is like, oh, cool. I never got a chance to go to New York City. It was destroyed during the Dalek invasion of 2164. <laughs> and Jethro is just like, what? <laughs> oh, this is going back a little bit. But we also got to talk about um, before they land, they're, uh, they're coming, they're materializing. It was like, where do we end up? And like hard cut to like the fucking Statue of Liberty. And it's like a weird jazzy music. <laughs> Right? It's like a weird jazzy montage of like, visit scenic New York City. <laughs> uh, I was like, we're running for our lives. Composer guy, you do so good. Give us music that says running for your life, heading to New York. And he says, say no more. <laughs> New York, New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, Okay, well, I've seen enough of the I've seen enough of the Empire State State Building. Let's get the fuck out of here. And then they get in the TARDIS and they leave. And then the Daleks show up and they come out, and he's just as flabbergasted with uh, these new props, new costumes, um, as he was before. And the Daleks are just like just staring at him the whole time. <laughs> And I'm like, this man is so fucking lucky that he walked away with his life. Because I was waiting. <laughs> I was just waiting for them to just. <laughs> uh, and you know what? You you say is lucky. I was just sitting there waiting for it. Like, they roll out. Oh. And I'm like, shoot this guy. Shoot, like, make him stop talking. Shoot him, please. <laughs> I was I was waiting for it, too. Because he, like, does a full, like, just, like complete circle around he's like wow this is amazing and like i do love how just like the dalek eye stalk just like does a full 360 <laughs> as he's as he's circling around i was just waiting for it i was like <laughs> shoot him because <laughs> <laughs> like everyone loved if they like rolled out and they were like where is the doctor and they're like oh you talking about that guy who went that way gosh i don't know he was here a second ago and <laughs> You are useless to us. Wishing. Uh, uh, once again, this show does not deliver. <laughs> and then they just fuck off to the other part of the episode, which I can only <laughs> describe as they're on a boat and everyone's ruffians. And they get yep. roughed up for a little bit and then they leave. They're on a boat and it's going fast. And <laughs> and <laughs> I've got a nautical theme, Pashmina Afghan. <laughs> Ian and Barbara leave the TARDIS and Barbara's just like... <gasps> We're on a ship. Ships are so cool. And she just like runs off. And like, I get it because I also love ships and I probably would have done the exact same thing as Barbara. Like, can I, can I steer the ship? Can I, can I, can I? <laughs> <laughs> I think cause like they, um, Vicky gets like caught and like gets accused of being like a stowaway or something. Right. Barbara does. Barbara. Uh, I think after the Jeff thing, I just repressed the rest of this episode. I don't yeah. remember this part that well. I remember them running away from the crew and Ian going to find them and then like him turning a corner and Vicky like hitting him in the head with a bottle or something. Yeah. So Vicky like found a blackjack or something and she and one of the uh, sailors is like has Barbara by the wrists because she's a stowaway and Vicky just like whacks him upside the head and he gets knocked out. And then Barbara like thanks him and then Ian comes around the corner and then Vicky just like instinctively whacks him upside the head. <laughs> because ah shit I thought he was another sailor and so they have to get him back to the ship i do love vicky's like violence first questions later <laughs> attitude about everything right i'll get around to questions if it, if, if it gets brought up <laughs> when things are scary i just hit people 
When problems need solved, I start worldwide revolutions that overthrow the government. <laughs> Gotta respect it. Which is something I also respect about the Daleks, which we'll talk about later. And then, so they leave, and then the Daleks show up on the on the ship, and they all think, like, the Daleks are, like, demons or whatever, and all of them jump ship. And holy shit, holy shit, Caleb, can we take a moment to appreciate the fact that the woman who jumped off the ship was holding a baby? <laughs> They just killed a baby on screen. What the fuck, Doctor Who? <laughs> and it was a real baby, too. The director was Absolutely. like, it's gotta be real. Throw that kid in the water. <laughs> I kind of like how the Daleks... The Daleks don't even, like, say anything during this entire scene. <laughs> they just show up, and then everybody jumps ship, and the Daleks are just like, well, okay, then. <laughs> I know I have, I've heard of the Mary Celeste, but I didn't know what it was, so I looked it up because I was curious. Uh, the Mary Celeste was a ship that was discovered in the Atlantic Ocean. It was like a, it was a merchant ship. It was full of goods. It was completely stocked full, but no one was aboard. It was, it was just drifting in the Atlantic Ocean, and, ap- and no one has any idea why all the crew just disappeared spooky because there's because there was no sign of like any sort of struggle so there wasn't like someone dumping the bodies or anything like that pirates or yeah yeah there was no sign of struggle at all it's just a ghost ship again the story continues the trend of just really long fucking shots because it just like zooms in on the mary celeste like the the sign that says mary celeste i'm like i get it it's the Mary Celeste. We can move on now. <laughs> yeah, because the whole time that was happening, I was like, that's probably some like history reference. I was like, maybe. I don't know. I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> and also, like, there was a Dalek. They were, like, searching the ship looking for the time travelers. And there was a Dalek up by the helm. And I was just like, how the fuck did it get up the stairs? <laughs> <laughs> how did it get Back, up just there? Just how Daleks do anything. <laughs> <laughs> i just i just read another one <laughs> I, just, I just read one of my notes i read one of my notes and made myself laugh because one of the daleks is like chasing after one of the sailors who jumps off and then the dalek just like keeps going and then falls off the ship and falls into the water and so my note is well carl's a fucking idiot and all in favor of leaving him behind <laughs> <laughs> Daleks don't have breaks. I have even more questions now. <laughs> yeah, that's what I have for this episode. Surprise, I didn't like it that much. I felt like it was kind of pointless. Yeah. I like the idea that they're going for of just like, we're going to hit all these tiny little eras of history that we've wanted to touch on, but maybe we haven't been able to come up with like entire story ideas for. So I like the, the road trip feel of the chase yeah i like the road trip feel of the arc in general and i'm having against like it having historical moments but like it, oh, why don't we do uh, i i ain't with the whole episode on the ship but i really just don't like the new york scene which is at least half the episode yeah i'd say i'd say it's pretty evenly divided in half between new york and mary celeste yeah and <laughs> and then those two halves are divided in half by whether it's the tardis crew or the daleks who are at that current location <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah if this whole episode were checking out entirely actually literally nothing about the arc would change i think that's how i can decide whether or not it was worth having 
Yeah, I, I agree. Nothing was gained from this episode. Uh, Yeah, well, that's all my thoughts on it. Time to move on Same. to the next episode, which I don't know. I don't know how we feel about this next episode coming up. Okay, I guess we'll find out. Parts of it I, find, I like. Other parts I'm just like, what the fuck? Journey into Terror. It's Halloween time on the TARDIS as the travelers arrive at a creepy haunted house. Like Scooby-Doo, the gang splits up immediately. There are moving eyes and bats flying overhead. Thank God Susan isn't here. Ian sees a ghost and the doctor discovers a Frankenstein monster. There's also a vampire in rotating walls. The doctor deduces they are in some nightmarish dream world, which is actually kind of badass. It also means the Daleks might not be able to follow them since this place falls outside of the usual space and time. However, the Daleks show up anyway and spoil all the fun. Vicky and Barb run into the Frankenstein monster along with the Dalek. The monster is immune to the Dalek's attacks though and he wrecks the shit out of it. Most of the crew make it back to the TARDIS and begin tinkering with a weapon to destroy them. They figure they weren't in a dream world but a super weird haunted house from the ultra advanced age of 1996. Vicky didn't make it though and has to sneak aboard the Dalek ship to escape. The travelers devise a plan to capture the Dalek ship and save Vicky, but they have a few tricks of their own, including a fancy robot doctor. I didn't even think about Susan in this episode. This would have been the worst fucking episode in the history of the entire series if Susan were still in the cast. Holy shit. Can you fucking imagine? <laughs> That's so funny because that was literally my first thoughts. Once they were like, oh, this place is spooky. I'm like, oh my god, I'm so glad Susan is not in this episode. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Much like Barbara's opinions on ships, Ian and I also have a similar opinion about bats. In that bats are the Antichrist and should all be destroyed. <laughs> no good comes from bats. Absolutely none. I, it was at this point that I made the note of I like this story because it just gives the writers a chance to throw everything at the goddamn wall and set the story in whatever setting they just want for fun. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. And like, it's like he's a Mariners in that sense of right, where like it's all telling the same story, but each episode is very different and doing different things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can tell that this has this is the exact same writer as the one who wrote Keys of Mariners. Mm -hmm. So. I like this episode. It's goofy and weird. It's very goofy. I also made the note of, now this is an episode of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> if anyone wants to see the TARDIS crew in an episode of Scooby-Doo, watch episode four of The Chase. That's what this is. Yeah, especially when, you know, they, they spend, oh, I don't even know how long it actually is, but they spend like a good chunk of time just talking about how like scared they are of this place. And the doctor is like, well, it's time to split up, I guess. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> this this is one of my note one of my notes interesting theory about the house being the culmination of all of humanity's fears doctor here's another one it's a goddamn haunted house i know i thought that too and when he was like this is some sort of like metaphysical representation of all the things we fear it's like or it could be like a spooky haunted house <laughs> like did they right? just not have the, was it was that so beyond the concept of like people in the 1960s they're like why would you build a house that scared people i didn't hear the year exactly in it because i uh I, spoiler, I used the Doctor Who wiki to help me write the outlines because I forget things. You charlatan. I know. It's all been a ruse. <laughs> uh, but, but they referenced, like, it's like some, like, electro dream house from, like, 1996. I'm like, the, the hyper-advanced technological age of 1996 where we had Frankenstein monster people. And bats with 
strings attached that come that swoop down on you. <laughs> so, wow, and much technology. It, it was really funny because, like, the bats swooped down and, like, you could see the wire and then it, like, got caught on the banister of the <laughs> of the stairs. And I was like, I legitimately can't tell if it's like that because this is a haunted house or because this is 1965. <laughs> I can't tell. It, it, it's another one of those, like, this episode w- didn't really add anything it was just weird <laughs> it was just like what if a do- what if the what if the frankenstein monster found a doll like what would that look like <laughs> which i'm not complaining about but like there's not really that much to say it's frankenstein finding a doll like and then they leave i choose to believe that like terry nation's son came home from school and was like hey dad Timmy at recess said that Frankenstein would totally be able to beat up a Dalek, but that's not true, is it? It's a good question, son. I'm putting that in. <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is yes, absolutely. The answer is yes. Timmy was right, son. You were wrong. Which leads me to a real question. What do the Dalek guns do? See, I've always thought of them as just like a beholder death ray kind of thing, because that's what it typically does. But I also feel like if it's shot at an inanimate object, it can just like destroy it i feel like it's a it's a laser beam that shoots out and if it hits something inorganic it explodes if it hits something organic it's just dead and then if it hits something where like it's not alive but it's not if inanimate it's like uh, and just I, I, I don't know because it was, it was a frankenstein animatronic which two notes one the gun should have destroyed it and two or maybe it's like a setting maybe it has to like change the setting between organic and inorganic so like it was firing at it thinking it was an organic creature but it was but it had no effect. I think we're thinking way too much about how Dalek guns work. Maybe, but I also fully buy that. <laughs> <laughs> but the second note is if this is just an animatronic for a haunted house for a haunted house, I don't know why I said it like that. Holy shit, this animatronic just fucking went beast mode on this Dalek. <laughs> what if that was just like a kid who was just like sh- who just like Using like a slingshot at it, and <laughs> Frankenstein just, just rips the kid in and goes fucking Five Nights at Freddy on its ass, and just fucking destroys him. <laughs> there was a really weird moment where the Doctor and Ian uh, encounter the Dalek, and the Dalek asks Ian where the time travelers are, and I'm like, do you not have? Like some sort of visual database to know who it is you're trying to kill? Surely you have to know what Ian looks like, right? He's one of your four main targets. <laughs> Headcanon. All humans look like the Daleks. Probably. They, they, they know the doctor because he's the real bad guy. But everyone else is just like vaguely fleshy people with like weird hunches on their face. Which kind of goes along with something that happens in the next episode. But also kind of contradicts it. I don't know. We'll get to there. We'll get to that. But yeah, then they just fucking leave Vicky behind. They home alone her ass. Because <laughs> they're on the ship and they're like talking. And then they're like, where's Vicky at? I'm like, oh my God, you don't even look. Right? It's like they just home alone her and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I made the sub note of this is not going to go over well considering Vicky's abandonment issues. Because in the crusade, she was freaking the fuck out that the doctor might leave her behind. And then in this episode, the doctor leaves her behind. <laughs> and she's just a stone cold bitch about it. <laughs> she's like, I guess I'll just sneak onto the Dalek ship. Well, she is panicking a little bit. But then, yeah, she's just like, well, I'm not living in the 
fucking caveman times of 1996. Time to hop aboard this Dalek ship. <laughs> this is a missed opportunity, I feel, with the robot Dr. Duplicate. Yes, I agree. This is a missed opportunity. I feel like this would have been a perfect chance for a Carol Ann Ford cameo where they create a robot Susan. Ooh. Because we establish in the next episode that their uh, their database of the Doctor and his companions is not up to date. Because in the next episode, the Doctor duplicate refers to Vicky as Susan. So wouldn't it have been so cool if they brought in Carol Ann Ford to be a robot Susan to infiltrate the group. And it just makes this weird dynamic of her like just acting like nothing's happened. I'm it's me, Susan. And then doctor, and there everybody's just like, what? Why? Why are you here? You're supposed to be. Why are you're supposed to be on Earth? What are you doing here? <laughs> that would have been so cool. They're like, Susan, like, it can't be you. We left you on Earth. And they're like, no, it is me. Watch. And it's jaw like unhinges. <laughs> and this is like sonic boom. <laughs> Their databases are not up to date with who's traveling with the doctor, but their databases are up to date on that. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, we will send Susan. And one goes, Susan, which one is that? The one that screams. <laughs> the one that broke all the glass on Scarrow. Oh, right. It was a bitch to replace all the windows. I remember her. <laughs> uh, now I can't get this fucking like... <laughs> dead silence image of susan with a jaw out of my mind <laughs> and then the doctor duplicate steps out of his of his pod and man that is so not william hartnell that couldn't have been less william hartnell if they actively tried <laughs> <laughs> yeah not great not that not the best like I can see that being like a good body double in like an action scene, but when he's just like standing there and trying to uh, lip sync with the recording of William Hartnell that's playing just off camera, really bad. <laughs> the real question is: Is William Hartnell's not even in this scene? Yeah, why didn't why they didn't just, they just get him they to just do have it? him? They, I don't know because then it cuts to like a close up of the Doctor um, because they're like infiltrate and kill infiltrate and kill and then it does like a close-up of uh of the doctor and it is william hartnell he says yes infiltrate and kill and that's that's where the episode ends and i'm like so you could get him for that shot but you couldn't get him for the far shot i'm confused <laughs> i looked at the wiki there was like no notes about it so i was confused so yeah all in all a wacky wild episode that only adds that vicky is separated and there's a robot doctor yeah pretty much anything that's plot relevant happens at the very end of, of this episode <laughs> it's a fun episode though yeah it is so i guess i'll just move on to the next episode yep, yep. another line title the death of doctor who the travels explore the planet mechanis with its dangerous fauna the plants called the fungoids nearly kill all of them but a mysterious light destroys them the Daleks arrive and destroy their ro and release their Robo Doctor, and Vicky slips away, hoping to warn him. However, she is ambushed by a fungoid. The travelers find the weapon that keeps the fungoids at bay, but screams from the TARDIS draw Ian and the Doctor away to rescue Vicky. 
The robo-doctor arrives and tells Barb that Ian was killed by one of the tree monsters and that they must go deeper into the jungle. Ian and the doctor find Vicky, but she is skeptical of the doctor, thinking he's the robot at first. She explains the Dalek plan, and together they all head out to find Barb. When the robo-doctor hears Ian calling for Barb, he attacks her but runs off before finishing the job. Ian explains the situation to Barb, and the doctor pursues his doppelganger. After a brief scrap, it isn't clear which one of them is the robot until the robot calls Vicky Susan. Together, they all destroy it. The Daleks have seized the TARDIS, and the travelers discover a strange city in the jungle. They make their way back to the cave and are shocked to find a giant machine waiting for them. In the last episode, you said that the robo-doctor was a wasted opportunity, and you let it into it with the Susan thing. Mm-hmm. I agreed just because like, I, di- I thought the robo-doctor was super poorly used in this episode i would agree yeah it really would have been great to have him be introduced in like episode two and then have a robo doctor kind of present the whole time (laughs) yeah providing more and more subterfuge Mm -hmm. because as of right now he just kind of shows up at one point and he like he convinces barb for a split second and then the moment that starts to go wrong he tries to kill her and then leaves i had a prediction for the robot clone that i'm kind of surprised didn't plant pan out i thought that they were going to be so good at replicating the doctor that he would have hated taking orders from the Daleks. Like, who do you think you are, young man? (laughs) And he would have betrayed the Daleks. (laughs) That would have been amazing. I just have a a note that says, uh, the swamp planet of Mechanus sounds like an oxymoron. Yeah. I don't have this in my notes, but total tangent. I was watching uh, New Who recently, and uh, the Daleks had, like, human body double clones. And I was watching it. I was like, what the fuck? The Daleks have never been able to do this before. Little did I know that they were pulling from all the way back in the chase where they had robot clones. <laughs> humanoid creatures. Uh-huh. <laughs> but knowing the writer, no, he, he was not referencing that at all. <laughs> Is that in the era of New Who you don't like? Yeah. Yeah. It's my second least favorite episode. And then they go into the cave to like hide out and they find the most complicated cigarette lighter I've ever seen in my life. I know that they later use it as like a flamethrower, but when they first use it at first, it's like this really long, intricately carved stick and like he presses a couple of buttons or like turns something and just like, just like a... Like a tiny little flame pops out at the end. I'm like, this is a very complicated cigarette lighter, and I don't know why we're using it. (laughs) You want to know a fun fact about the the fungi? What? Lay it on me. During rehearsals, the fungoid costumes were each given nicknames to avoid confusion. The nicknames were Fungoid Fred, Toadstool Taffy, and Mushroom Malone. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Kind of you. The only the only problem I have with that is they didn't reference that in the episode. <laughs> right? Everyone stand back. That's Fungoy Malone, <laughs> or whatever you said, Mushroom Malone. I do really, really, really like that the Daleks' first ever attempt at subster at subterfuge just fails immediately. <laughs> <laughs> it falls apart just like immediately. And I just had the sub note of, we should really stick to full frontal assaults. It seems to be what we're good at. (laughs) 
Uh, again, the doc the Robo Doctor does not try to like divide them at all. Just tries to murder them. I do really like the way they that the Robo is found out because Ian is fighting with the dot with the Doctor, and then the Robo Doctor comforts Vicky and calls her Susan. So I guess the Daleks have a database of the Doctor and his companions, but no like visual references since the Dalek asked Ian last episode. And then he referred to Vicky as Susan in this episode. It's like, ah, yes, the the young human female. That must be Susan. That fits the qualification. No, no, I like how it was found out with just the Daleks databases being not up to date. Yes, uh, I thought that was interesting too. I don't remember exactly how Ian kind of comes to start fighting the Doctor, but I do like the idea of the Doctor naturally being himself seems like the evil one. <laughs> Because if one of the Doctor duplicates started acting nice, then they would have been like, that's the duplicate. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been great. Another another way of finding it out is if one of them called Chesterton by the wrong name. <laughs> Chesterfield, you can trust me. Oh, that's the real one. That one right there. <laughs> that one, that <laughs> one, one just called right Chesterfield. <laughs> no, he's like, he's like, Chesterfield, you can trust me. And then that Doctor goes, aha, see, he's not the real Doctor. Your name is Chesterton. And then they go, that's definitely not the real Doctor. <laughs> Because even if the doctor knows my name is Chesterton, he doesn't have enough respect for me to actually say it. And then so they figure out who's the real doctor, and then both doctors are in, engaged in hand-to-hand combat. Personally, I have that, uh, that one track from Star Wars Episode One playing in my head while they were whacking sticks. Bum, 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 <laughs> bum, bum, bum. And then the real doctor wins, and... And as the robot doctor is lying dead on the floor, he just says, hmm, I must go fetch a doctor. And then walks away. <laughs> and I was just like, Because yeah! I'm ruthless. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go back to their cave and they rest up. And then I have the note of, God damn it, Ian, you had one job. Keep watch. Because he was keeping watch. And then he fell asleep almost immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll keep watch. <sighs> mood i every time i read like a fantasy book or anything like that where like they talk about like rotating watch i am like dude i couldn't do that i couldn't sit there for like four or six hours and just look my party would be killed immediately especially if like they have three watches i'm like no i can't i especially can't do the middle one i can't Mm -hmm. sleep for a little while wake up do watch and then go back to sleep no that's not happening No, no 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 Better idea. How about we all just fucking die? <laughs> so their strategy when coming to Mechanus was like, we're on a swamp planet. The Daleks will have constant uh, difficult terrain, to use a D&D term. Uh, so the Daleks won't be able to move around as freely, so we'll have the upper hand. They then see a, a city, a metal city on huge stilts that high above the swamps. They're like, ah, yes, let's go up there. I'm like, why? Why are we going to the city? We came here specifically for the swamp advantage. And we're just leaving the swamp. <laughs> to go to the place they can easily move around in. But we do see the uh, mechanoid at the end of this episode. This big metal testicle. That's kind of what it looks like <laughs> to me. We, I, there was one more thing, though. They're trapped in the cave, and like the Daleks are right outside, and they're ready, ready to go in and fight. And they have the idea of what if the doctor goes out there and pretends to be the the robot duplicate and he can send the daleks away 
and uh, Barbara says that's not a that's not a good idea because the Daleks will be able to know they'll be able to recognize their own their own handiwork and if they don't already have some sort of indicator that shows the robot is dead. And Ian is like, ah, yeah, you're probably right. Wouldn't work. Well, Doctor, what do you, Doctor? Because <laughs> the Doctor <laughs> went outside the cave and is like, yes, I infiltrated and killed. They are all dead. And they're like, you are not the robot. <laughs> <laughs> He's hearing gunfire, and the doctor just comes back into the cave <laughs> and hides behind the wall. I'm like, I mean, it was as good a plan as any. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a bad idea. It's just he failed his deception check. A for effort. And then we see the mechanoid. Then we see the mechanoid. Which, the robot voice is just... I love that. <laughs> I'm glad you do. The weird kind of... Fun fact about the Mechanoids, um, they were initially planned to be a recurring villain of the series. They wanted the Mechanoids to come back. But their designs were so bulky, they had difficulty getting through any of the doors in the studio. <laughs> so they were scrapped. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I was like, nah, fuck it. It's too complicated. It's not worth it legitimately hilarious and uh yeah that's all i have for that episode yeah well that's the end of the episode once you know on to the last episode on to the last episode which a lot happens but the description is much shorter because a lot of what happens is just people getting shot the mechanoid leads the travelers into a city and into a holding area there they meet stephen taylor who claims that he is being held prisoner by the mechanoids after his ship crashed and the travelers are their latest zoo animals the travelers, along with Taylor, hatch a plan to escape, but the Daleks are not fucking around. They show up and demand the travelers, and the mechanoids oblige. However, the Doctor left his bomb behind, and when it destroys one of the Daleks, they believe they have been betrayed by the mechanoids. Travelers escape the city, the Daleks just fucking massacre everything. It's pretty badass, but it also ends up destroying about everything. With the Dalek ship now in their possession, Barb and Ian realize they want to finally go home, which they promptly do. There's a cringe montage, and then we see Vicky and Doctor drifting in this, drifting in space alone. That's my beautiful summary of the planet of decision, which is misleading because the planet is not about decision. There's a decision made on the planet, but that does not constitute it being a planet of decisions. I think we've uh, pretty much established by now that all of the episode titles in this story are complete garbage. <laughs> yeah, the mechanoid speech is... Uh, really annoying to me it was one of those that just like ah ah please stop i don't feel like they talked a ton which made it fine for me i'm like because uh, like it, it is a little annoying but like it was just underused enough where i was like this is kind of cool but when they do talk it they just like take their time they're just like you man's more follow mechanoid and I'm just like, okay, please stop. Please stop talking. <laughs> I thought it was cool. What I did think was cool was uh, they get into the city and the mechanoid tells them to go in, go into the room and uh, food will be brought to them. And then Vicky <laughs> turns to the mechanoid and, says, and goes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know. I love that moment too. Vicky's so cool. And then they meet Steven Taylor and they also meet his stuffed animal companion who is a tiny little panda bear and is really cute, and he has definitely fucked that bear. <laughs> he has definitely has... fucked that bear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm glad you said that, because, like, spoiler alert, he survives the city burning or whatever. But there's a moment he's, like, going through the woods, and, like, one of the tree monster things tries to not attack him, and he like, kind of, like, pushes it over. 
and then he just pulls the bear out of nowhere and he has this look on his face and i'm like i was like that's like a hate fucking face he's like i gotta blow off some steam well yeah because this bear is his uh wilson <laughs> this bear is his wilson from castaway because it's the only companion he's had the entire time he's been trapped here because there's the part the bomb goes off they have their escape the city is on fire and they're like holding the rope and like helping them down and then steven is just like oh no i forgot him and he goes back into the fire specifically to rescue his teddy bear (laughs) i'm like man how long have you been stuck here and how many times did you fuck that bear (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm glad you clarified it because uh when that was happening I didn't hear what he said. I don't remember what the bear's name is, but he was like, oh no, I forgot blank. And then he uh, went back into the building. That's what okay. happened. Okay, I, I, I didn't realize that's what he was going back for because I, I knew he went back for something and he just all about fucking got everyone killed. I was like, okay, whatever, I guess. That makes me excited. So unfortunately, I read the wiki, so I know he's going to be a companion. Damn it. Sorry. But, okay, but it was also obvious, because, like, they kind of emphasized that he didn't die, and, like, he seemed too charming and important to just be in the last ten minutes of a whole arc. And, like, the very ending was showed him, like, looking for the doctor's ship mm-hmm. as he was stumbling through the woods, so, yeah. But I was sitting there thinking, I was like, how, like, I was like, how is this going to work, swapping out, like, two companions for one companion? But now, now, now it's going to be in my head that that teddy bear is going to be the third companion, <laughs> at least in his eyes. <laughs> And I'm very, I'm very excited to see what shenanigans occur when if this teddy bear is worth dying over literally everything. I already like Steven. I think <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to future episodes because I think he's I charming think he's and handsome. Fun fact: he auditioned for uh, the Web Planet. He really wanted to play one of the Monoptera. He really wanted to be in Doctor Who, but I guess cooler heads prevailed, and they're like, no, 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 no. We don't want you to play one of these aliens. We're going to have you play an actually good role. <laughs> <laughs> so they kept him for kept him around for this. Well, good. Yeah. I kind of love the all-out fucking war between the Daleks and the Mechanoids. Totally. For agree. various Amazing. reasons. It was it was really cool to just watch the Daleks just go all out and just like fighting these other robot creatures. On the other hand, it was hilarious because it really did just look like a kid taking two of his toys and just banging them together. <laughs> yeah, just it going, did. Pew, pew, pew. Some of the editing was cool, like for television at the time. It evoked that thrilling emotion, you know, and it, it was just yeah. cool. I also like how the dogs were like, all right, well, we didn't get the travelers. I guess we'll just fucking kill everyone. We didn't kill that fucking hick, and I've been feeling twitchy ever since. So let's kill these <laughs> things. But yes, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Can we talk about the end? Can we Can we finally bring up the end? Yeah, let's start talking about uh, the process of Ian and Barbara leaving. Yeah, so they... After the Daleks presumably destroy themselves and the Mechanoids and their all-out war on the city, they get a hold of the Dalek ship and... Barb and Ian kind of realize that since the Dalek ship can very specifically hit the right space and time, they can actually go home. And I do like this moment because for Barb, the moment she realizes like it's actually a possibility, she wants to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever bullshit fucking Stockholm syndrome she's going through right now just turns off when like she can actually go home. Yeah, the Doctor's angry about it and says they'll get killed. 
and surprise they don't headcanon that was a lie there was no chance they were gonna get killed yeah no i agree i don't think there was a chance that they would have that they would have died using the dalek time machine i think he just didn't want them to leave Mm -hmm. i really liked the scene I'll probably have that as the intro, make part of that scene as the intro for this episode. I just really liked how the doctor was like personally offended that they would want to use the enemy machine, basically implying that the doctor's dick is small because he can't pilot his ship, but the Daleks can pilot theirs. And then he makes the point of, I didn't even want you on my ship. You forced your way onto my ship. It's not my fault. Which, by the way, yes, it is your fault because you didn't have to take off in the yeah, first place. It's, it's 100% your fault. It's, it's entirely your fault, Doctor. And then Ian talking about all the things from home that he that he misses. He misses just going down to the bar and watching a match. And he misses he misses home and he misses walking just taking a walk through the park. He wants to belong somewhere. And they just get into this huge argument. And uh, then Vicky is just like, "You gotta let him go, Doctor. It's what they want. <laughs> it's." I don't that's just a really nice it's just a good it's a well acted scene with characters acting rooted in their character arcs of like well because like back in the Daleks they were like well we can't seem to get back home normally so we may as well just kind of enjoy the ride while we're here and then they finally have a means of going home so they're gonna take it and I, just, I really liked I really liked it Caleb I thought it was good yeah, no, I, I really liked it. I think the only thing I would have wished for was, again, like, Susan kind of had that build. Like, we got little moments of Susan talking about how, like, she wanted a place to be. She wanted a place to belong. I would have really liked some of these moments in between for Susan, or for Barb and Ian, too. Like, mm-hmm. between all the cacophony. Even when we just got that line where Ian was like, I miss going to the park. I, yeah, I would have, like, yeah. emotionally prepared. I'm like, this is it. This is where they're gonna take off because it almost seems like rushed or sudden because we're here at the last five minutes of the episode we went through this like big crazy journey and then they're like oh we can leave oh okay bye which granted i would 100 percent do but i don't know yeah it doesn't seem like as much of an arc as it was when susan left i agree i think they probably could have sprinkled a little bit more references to oh man remember pints of beer Instead of just pushing buttons and having something that tastes like beer. Remember ah, not nice. being chased through space and time by trash cans? Uh, one of the things that Ian lists is he wants to go to a game and watch a cricket match. I'm like, you would watch cricket. You fucking posh fucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of my complaints for this scene is that we didn't really get like a sad, we didn't really get like a goodbye we got the doctor being like, okay, fine, I'll help you. But you it's a 50-50 shot at the most that you'll survive this. And they go into the machine and then it cuts to London and them coming out of the warehouse. And I'm like, we didn't really get like a, yeah. a goodbye. We got them arguing over whether they should or not, but they didn't really get a goodbye. Which I think is in line with the doctor's character because obviously he was angry i imagine he wasn't gonna tell them goodbye yeah i imagine he kind of pulled up and he's like all right get the fuck out this is what you wanted bye yeah probably and then we get a nice little slideshow of Ian Barnes <laughs> vacation to london <laughs> oh my god <laughs> what are the worst things i don't know I've... what this was they're like oh wow look at these birds barb getting fucking attacked by the birds <laughs> What is that? The budget just ran out. 
<laughs> because it really is just a slideshow. And then there was a moment of like them finding a police box and like opening it up and laughing. Um, <laughs> this is like really weird. Then again, I just rewatched, I just re-listened to a uh, Dalek invasion and you brought this up and there is no answer to your question because they land in 1965, even though they left in 1963. And so then they're like, ah, oh, shit, what do we do to explain our two year absence? And Ian is like, huh, that's a good question. It'll have to be something good. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's it that's, that's the end of the conversation these were my thoughts i imagine them going back to the jobs and being like hey sorry for like randomly fucking disappearing in the middle of a term two years ago can we have our jobs back and they're like yes yes the constable has one question for you before you get your jobs back though uh where was your student susan the teenage girl that disappeared with you the same night you guys left where was yeah. she and again we are completely ignoring any and all extended universe shit because i know that there is an explanation there like they do give a reason but i don't give a shit because it's not said in the show <laughs> headcanon they're arrested for uh kidnapping the murder of susan <laughs> and so the rest of the lives in jail or they get arrested uh tried for kidnapping and killing susan and they get off on insanity and spend the rest of their lives in a ward trying to explain like oh no we didn't kill her we went in the police box into the future i buy it that's my head cannon. Trivia that I forgot. I forgot. Iridius, the desert planet. The Iridians were initially imagined to be gross hunchback creatures, but I guess they maybe didn't have the time or resources for that on top of the monsters, so they're just like, I ah, just took a fin on their head. <laughs> In addition to the uh, scene that was deleted of the crew listening to the Beatles, the Beatles were originally planned to make an appearance in the episode as like four old wise men that they met <laughs> but their manager said no <laughs> that's funny the fifth episode is titled the death of doctor who uh and it is one of two times in the entire run of the show uh where they use the technically incorrect name as a title he's just the doctor he's not doctor who but they refer to him as Doctor Who in this title. Hmm. And they do that one other time. Ah. And that's all the trivia. Interesting. Here's my Futurama reference I didn't make. Oh, yeah, what's up? Back in the episode when they're, like, in New York and then they go to the Mary Celeste. It gave me vibes of Futurama when the brains attack and he's, like, putting them all in the books. May this, may this uh, whimsical slice of Americana be your tomb for eternity. <laughs> That was the vibe I got. That's it. That, that, that was a joke. <laughs> so now we get to do our one and only actual segment we have. Oh, yeah. Of Goodbye, My Dear for Barbara and Ian. Let's do both of them at the same time because you never have one without the other. So. Yeah. So let's let's start with Barbara. What are your general thoughts about Barbara? And and then we'll get to the, our favorite moment. Uh, I didn't like Barbara at first. Because they didn't really do anything with they just treat her like a woman, you know? Mm -hmm. But uh but Barb kinda does have this arc of like being more assertive and being more confident in herself. Uh and just yeah, being more assertive and kinda becoming a boss bitch. So all in all, I actually really like Barb's arc. They still uh, my issues with Barb are more from a writing standpoint than uh any performance from her standpoint. My favorite moment is when she just develops bloodlust and just runs over those Daleks and the Dalek invasion of Earth. Hands down, the best bar moment. 
Because <laughs> she's so fucking smug when she does it too. Yeah, yeah. I have I have similar feelings. I feel like Barbara, out of like the original trio of companions, I think she's my favorite of those three. Like if we're ranking if we're ranking companions, like we're ranking stories, it would go Barbara, Ian, Susan, and. I think one of the main reasons is because she does have the most development out of out of the three and because she trips a lot in the early episodes and then she starts she's the one who gets kidnapped the most which is frustrating but it also gives her the most opportunity to like outsmart the villains so I really appreciated that that she was given that opportunity my favorite moment you you stole one of them that I was going to list, but like, yeah, mowing down the Daleks with a fire truck was fucking awesome. <laughs> but later on in that episode where she was taken to the Dalek leaders and just started bullshitting, like talking about oh, yeah, like the previous war wars and, and the Civil War. Yeah, and like just buying time so that she could use the frankly really good plan of turning the Robomen on the Daleks. And also just, like, the entirety of the Aztecs, where she kind of just maintained the, yep, I'm a god. I'm going to change all of history because I can. (laughs) Yeah. What about her boy Chesterfield? I liked Ian at first. And then he went from, like, being a character that, like, I liked to, and he had his moments. His characterization was kind of all over the place. Sometimes he was a smarmy asshole. Sometimes he's, like, this big rub guy. In the beginning, he was a chemistry teacher, and then he turned into not knowing a fucking thing about science, period. So, yeah. So, conflicted. Uh, I'd agree that I like him more than Susan, but that's, like, a technicality, I feel. Yeah. Favorite moment for him, though, is, like, fighting his, like, rival in the Aztecs. Hands down, the best moment. Terrible fight scene. Great, like, emotional peak for me, though. When he's, like, walking down those steps and you just see his, like, rival walking up them, I was like, yeah! (laughs) (laughs) All the testosterone just, like, exploded in my brain. (laughs) If you were to ask me to pin down exactly what Ian's character traits were, I don't think I'd be able to do it. Because you're right, he's just kind of all over the place. He's just, he is the male character that they need at the moment. Whatever that might be, Mm -hmm. more often than not, he was the muscle just by default when I really feel like he shouldn't have been because they so often forgot that he was a science teacher, which is just so fucking frustrating. But that being said, it did feel like some some of the moments were really good. Like he kind of sometimes felt like a younger version of the doctor and it kind of gave him a lot of moments where he had good banter with him. Mm-hmm. And um, I really like that. It, at some point, they started treating each other as equals. I really like that. Um, and you got to stop stealing my favorite moments. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite moment was pretty much just his rivalry with, I can't remember his name, but the the rival in, in the Aztecs between that final fight and also just taking him out with a Vulcan death grip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Having the, the bromance afterwards mm-hmm. after after their fight i feel like we probably did this a little bit out of order but overall thoughts final thoughts for um for the chase what'd you think uh, yeah i mean i i really liked it there's one episode i really just feel like should have been pulled out entirely and then like while the uh house of terror whatever it's called like it wasn't like a necessary episode i thought it was fun and mm-hmm. goofy and i i like this show where it leans more into the sci-fi elements and then it either needs to like be kind of character driven or it just needs to go balls to the wall nuts and i felt like i got a lot of that in that episode and then like in this arc in general yeah there were a lot of things i liked i wish 
the characters had more of a build-up to leaving. But otherwise, like, yeah, I mean, this is easily top three. It might be my favorite episode. Yeah, I think it is my favorite. I think my top three are this, so the chase, the Dalek invasion of Earth, and then Keys of Marinus. Terry Nation just, bam, bam, keeps bam, knocking them out of the park, man. <laughs> yeah, no joke. <laughs> but yeah, but like, this one's action scenes are kind of exciting. After it gets going, it's not terribly paced. And yeah, I, I thought besides the montage, Barb and Ian leaving was a good enough emotional high. You and I have the same top three, just in different order, because mine is Dalek Invasion, Keys of Marinus, The Chase. Yeah, I, I thought this I thought this story was really, really good. I really enjoyed the varied locales, kept things fresh. I enjoyed that they had a much more active enemy that was like actively pursuing them and trying to uh, kill them and just like mm-hmm. making them be on the defensive the entire time. I really liked Ian and Barbara's departure. I thought it was I thought it was very well done. We we had our we had our little problems with it, which we've already talked about, but overall I thought it was really good and it just it just really hits home because they're not the longest running companion. There are there are companions that are travel with the doctor longer than Ian and Barbara do, but they are up there because they they have 16 episodes in which they are they are traveling with the doctor. And I'm looking at my little sheet now. There are five companions who travel with the Doctor in Classic Who longer than Ian and Barbara. Hmm. And uh, so it's it's going to be, it's going to feel so different without them. But I'm also just really looking forward to seeing how the show is different without them. Yeah, I agree. I don't know how it's going to work moving forward, but I'm also kind of excited to see how it does. So, all right, well, that's it for this episode, guys. Uh, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere else you would watch or listen to podcasts. Uh, if you like us, you can follow us on Twitter at QuickTripDW, and you can follow me and Mac specifically at MacTheMa and at CLB underscore Clark. And join us next time on our quick trip through space and time in which we watch the season two finale and the first episode to combine aspects of both the historicals and sci-fi in The Time Meddler. The very first show I was ever an understudy for it was like the first show I was ever involved in at in at Ball State. Um, I was an understudy, and the guy, one of the main actors, was going to be gone for like the first week of rehearsal, so I was going to be standing in for him. And there's a part where um, I pick up luggage and um, take it into the next room, and the director was just like, "Stop, Mac." why did you take that luggage into the other room? And I said, um, because the script said so. And literally everybody in the room went, Ooh. <laughs> and that's the, that's the day that I learned that stage directions are for chumps. So I want to just like stop the scene and be like, Barbara, why did you go over to that wall? Because it's the script a- said so. Ooh. <laughs> The answer is it's a lovely wall.